turning back the cross before me the world behind me no turning back no turning back I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back the cross before me the world behind me no turning back no focused? Do you know where you're headed? Do you know what purpose you have in this life? Are you turning toward the world? Are you turning toward the cross and following Jesus Christ? Heaven is for real. We're going to be there one day, but I want to run the race well that God has placed before us. I want to be, um, I want for the Lord to be able to say when I get there, well done, my good and faithful servant. I know I'm a child of God and I'm on my way to heaven. I praise the Lord for that. I've been saved and born again. Um, but I want to finish well. I encourage you to do the same. And today I want to I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Very familiar passage of scripture. Many of you might be able to quote a lot of these verses we're looking at today. John chapter 14. your place there. Go ahead and stand up if you would. John chapter 14, look at verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, to know you. And Lord, we look forward to having you. And I pray, Lord, today that this message would be an encouragement to us. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded once again of the promise that you've made us, Lord. Lord, that we would look forward to your coming. Lord, that we would finish the race well, that we would continue serving and redeem the time. Lord, I believe the time is short. Lord, I thank you, though, that we do have the time to look forward to for your coming. We look forward to being in heaven for all eternity with you. Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, Lord, to redeem that time. I pray, Lord, today you'd comfort our hearts. Troubled times we live in, challenges we face. Lord, I pray that you bring encouragement to those that are hurting today. Lord, I pray that you would also speak to hearts for those that do not know they're on the way to heaven for sure, or that they would trust in you today. Meet with us now, I pray. Lord, give me your power, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The preacher of yesteryear, his name is Arnold Gableine. He tells of an old Bible in his possession that had been used by numerous generations. Many of its pages were clean as though they'd just come from the press. But the page which contained the 14th chapter here of John was well-worn and spotted by the teardrops of those who had owned it. The 14th chapter of John is truly an amazing chapter. It's a chapter, one of my favorite places to go in the Bible. I love the encouraging words that we find here. The 14th chapter of John is often a source of comfort for Christians in time of sorrow. It's no wonder that the great chapter has been so special in many a person's heart, and it's special within many of our hearts today. This same writer, Gabeline, uh, he, he described these verses as an anesthetic to the heart of troubled Christians' hearts, something that would help the heart that is hurting and to, to bring peace in a time of difficulty and, and to wipe away our tears and still our troubled hearts. So many have turned to, to this chapter in times of heart trouble and found it truly to be a spiritual anesthetic. And if there was ever a group of men that needed to be comforted, needed to have their hearts uh, uh, mended at a time, it was these men here that Jesus is speaking to the disciples. Jesus had just announced to them that, that he was going to be leaving them, and man, it shook them up. You remember they'd been with him, and they'd been working with him, and they'd heard him preach, and they'd seen his miracles, and they, they saw all the wonderful things that Christ did, and they were focusing on him, and yes, they believed he was the Messiah, that he had come to deliver his people. And now he's telling them, of course, this wasn't the first time he told them this, but it's becoming a realization to them. He's telling them that he's going to leave them. They're greatly shaken by it. And the Lord, he seeks to comfort them in their troubled hearts by giving them the spiritual anesthetic that we see here in John chapter 14. What a wonderful passage of scripture. What does Jesus say to them? Look at it once again. Look at verse number one. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I want to stop for just a moment. Is your heart troubled today? Are you hurting? Are you broken? Jesus was speaking to his disciples, but we have the very word of God here for us today, and this is what God is saying to you today. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. In a nutshell, Jesus is saying to them, cheer up, I am going to return. Cheer up, don't be so sorrowful. Yes, I've got to go for a time, but I'm coming back for you. Don't lose sight of that. You know, the same promise is given to us today. His return has been truly an anesthetic for the soul and troubled hearts often and throughout the time since that day that he said that. And listen, it's here for you today as well. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Is God who he says he is? Do you believe that he is God, that he is in control, that he is all-powerful? Do you believe that God keeps his word? God is promising you today. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. And he gives us a promise here. He's trying to encourage you today. Listen, the promise of his return has cleared the dark clouds of despair and replaced them with sunshine of delight in many people's hearts as they're looking forward to that. And listen, I'm telling you today, you can understand this and you can mark it down and you can be guaranteed of this, that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming soon. Cheer up. Cheer up. Get your eyes on him. Not your heart be troubled. He's coming soon. I want you to notice here as we look at this and we consider this wonderful passage of Scripture and look at the promise the Lord made, how it brought cheer to the hearts of his disciples, how it helped them through this difficult time. I want you to notice with me, first of all, the preparation that he describes. Jesus said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. That word prepared, it means to make ready. He's making it ready for you. He's making it ready. The time is going to come when I'll have that place prepared for you. You know, often in troublesome times, our hearts find great comfort in knowing that this world is not our final home. I'm so thankful. I like what the song says. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Listen, there's a lot of terrible things happening in this world. There's a lot of heartache a lot of difficulties, a lot of very harsh things that perhaps you've gone through and very heartbreaking things. But listen, this world is not all there is. This is not our final home. Jesus has gone away to make ready a place where every believer will live eternally. And the thoughts of this heavenly place Jesus is preparing, listen, it cheers the heart to think about what he's making for us. I love what J.A. Savage wrote. He said this. He says, what a scene of surpassing grandeur. Listen to how he describes this. I love it. He says, not a solitary Elijah going up in a chariot of fire. Boy, it would have been nice to see that day. Can you imagine seeing a chariot going up in fire and Elijah ascending up into heaven? He says, it's not going to be just that, though. He says, it's going to be untold millions of glorified saints mounting upward in the power of God, clad with the radiance of heaven itself and doubtless uh, filling its vault with their loud hallelujahs. As I'm, hey, listen, if that, that time were to happen this day, I'll tell you what, if I were to ascend up and be raptured, I can tell you this, I'd be saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven. Can you imagine? He goes on, he says this, how paltry and insignificant is all that man calls great and grand in the pageantry of this world compared with the splendor of this 
heavenly scene. I want you to picture it with me today. I want you to imagine, listen, that day could come, and it could be today that that rapture happens. That time could come that we could meet him in the air, and we could be in heaven for all eternity. This world has nothing to compare. Heaven in all of its uh, splendor. It, 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 nothing in this world even comes close to comparing to it. You know, every believer who has gone through dark experiences of losing a loved one longs to be there. Longs to be there. We long for the return of the Lord. Every heartache of life increases our longing for a better world. As I get older, I realize this truth better and better. The difficulties of this life, the hardships of this life, the physical conditions that people face, perhaps that you go through, perhaps you've got a loved one. trial, it only separates our hearts from the earthly home and, and causes us to want heaven all the more. What kind of place is that, that Jesus is preparing for us? You see, it, it truly is a precious place. When Jesus, when he calls it, he says there in verse 2, he says, my father's house. My father's house. You know, it's not the earthly home of the believer Jesus is thinking about here, but the eternal home. Jesus was saying that the future home of the believer in heaven is where his father dwells. I love my home here on earth. I say that because I love what it means. I love what it means to come home at the end of the day and to be able to see my wife and my kids. I think about the picture that we see there when Jesus Christ talks about his father's house. We talk about home as a place of retirement after a hard day of work. We think about a place to escape from all the strife and turmoil of the world in which we live. By the way, a godly home here on earth is a little piece of heaven right here on earth. But it still, it still can't come close to what heaven is be like. Talking about my father's home, he said. My father's house. Hey, listen, it's going to be a wonderful thing when we get to heaven. Heaven is a precious place because it's a home for the believer. It's a home for all eternity. I notice in my life, you know, there's times that you go through seasons of time. I remember growing up. I don't remember when I was born. I, I don't remember the home I lived in then. It meant nothing to me. I remember nothing when I was a young toddler living in Lansing area in Michigan. My parents, with my parents and family. I see pictures of it. I knew I was there. I don't know much about it at all. I remember starting to come to realization when we moved to Detroit and lived there in the early 1970s and began to grow up and starting to have a first recall of things that happened as a child, the things that happened there in the Detroit as I grew up. And, and the time frame that I lived there, you know, approximately the Detroit area, living there for the first 28 years of my life. I remember moving up to Ludington when I was 28 years old. And now I've been here almost as long as my whole entire life prior to coming to Ludington. And you look at the time frame of how long that you're at a place and how long it's a home. I remember when we first moved to Ludington, and uh, actually the first house that we bought in Ludington, living there for 19, over 19 years. And it was home. A place where you mark the little height for the kids as they grow up and put their name down and mark it down. Lots of good memories. But it seems like a distant one. 
practice of the traditions of things that happen within our home and the joys of being there. We know when we get to heaven, the time that we have here on earth, all eternity is going to be our home compared to what we have here on earth. It's so small here on earth. Our true home, when it looks the, the big picture of all things, we're going to be in heaven for all eternity. And there's not going to be any more problems there, no more trials there, no more sickness there, no more death there, no more sin there. That's going to be our home for all eternity. I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ is It's a precious place, a precious place I'm looking forward to. It's also a numerous place. Jesus spoke of many mansions, many mansions. He specifically said many mansions. I like that. Humanly speaking, it's good to know there's going to be mansions up in heaven, and there's a lot of them. There's a place there that we're going to live. In verse number 23, that word of Mansions is, is interpreted as abode, of, an abiding place, a place where you're going to live. And many mansions seem to suggest that those mansions are not only plentiful, but also they're various and, and, and dwelling types. It's almost like here on earth, there are many different types of houses. There's lots of different mansions up in heaven. And I'll tell you what, one of them is going to be mine. I'm looking forward to that. Jesus prepared or is preparing it specifically. creating a specific, special mansion just for you as a child of God. Years ago, there was a scientist named Harry Rimmer. He listened to the radio every Sunday night. He listened to a show called Old Fashioned Revival Hour. The preacher was Charles Fuller. Well, one Sunday night, he was listening to the show, and after the end of that show, the, the preacher, Charles Fuller, he said that next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on heaven. Well, Rimmer, he sent him the following letter. Let me just read you the letter. Listen to what he said. I love it. He said this. He says, next Sunday, you're going to talk about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of property there for about 50 years. I didn't buy it. It was given to me without price. But the donor purchased it. I'm not holding it for speculation. You see, it's not a vacant lot. <laughs> for more than half a century, I've been sending materials up to the greatest architect of the universe who has been building a home for me which will never need remodeling or repairing because it will suit me perfectly, individually, and never grow old. Termites can never undermine the foundation. For it rests upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be placed upon the doors, for no vicious person can enter the land where my dwelling stands. It's almost completed and almost ready for me to enter in and abide in eternity without fear of being rejected or ejected. <laughs> There's a valley of deep shadow, though, between this place where I live and that to which I shall journey in a very short time. 
reach my home in that city without passing through this valley. And I'm not afraid because the best friend I ever had went through that same valley long ago and drove away all its wounds. He has stuck with me through thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago. I owe, I own his promise in printed form. Never forsake me or leave me alone, he promised. He'll be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadow, and I shall not lose my way when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday, but I have no assurance I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. <laughs> yes, I'm ready to go. And I may not be here while you're talking next Sunday evening, but I'll meet you there someday. So the story goes that Gary Wilmer moved to his new home a few days after writing this letter. God loves us and what God is making for us, the desire for His coming only intensifies because that coming will be His welcome, and, and welcoming us into that place that He's prepared for us. I'm looking forward to it. There's a great old hymn that's entitled, Oh, the Glad Homecoming. One of the verses says this, listen to the words. I am waiting for the coming of the bridegroom in the air. I am longing for the gathering of the ransomed over there. I am putting on the garments which the heavenly bride shall wear for the glad homecoming draws nigh. The Lord's coming back soon. Be of good cheer. Let your heart not be troubled. I believe God of his word. Time is coming short. Can we see here that Jesus Christ and he is encouraging and he speaks of this precious place and he speaks of the place that he is describing and it's his father's house. I'm looking forward to that. Secondly, we see the revelation that he declared. The truth of the Lord's return was no stranger to these disciples. You think about it with me. Earlier I mentioned the fact they were looking forward to the Messiah coming. For years they've been longing. I'm talking about the, God's people. The Israelites have been looking for the Messiah to come. They had the, the prophets that had foretold of his coming. The prophets that prophesied of what would have to take place and transpired. All these things were happening. And he was Jesus Christ fulfilled all the prophecy about being the Messiah. They knew that the Messiah was right there. They knew that he was Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. They were looking forward to it. Now Jesus reveals an aspect of his coming that was totally new to them. He'd been teaching it to them now for some time, but it was something contrary to their way of thinking. In the Old Testament and thus far in the New Testament, many times as they have thought about it, the teachings that they knew, uh, his coming had always been spoken of as a glorious, a visible event preceded by various troubles. And this return that the prophet had often spoken of was his return in power and glory and, and, and that he would return to rule and reign upon the earth. They were looking forward to him getting rid of the Roman uh, uh, 
tyranny over them and, and getting rid of the, the control and having him sit on the throne of David. And they thought that time had come. Jesus, he now introduces the disciples to a return which no prophet had promised. And the return of the Lord Jesus was not to rule at that point, but to come for his own. The prophets saw him coming with his saints. Jesus spoke of when he would come for his saints. Jesus came that he would die, but he talked of the fact that he was going to come again, and he was going to come for his saints. Prophets saw him coming to the earth, whereas Jesus spoke of taking his children to heaven. It's interesting. I read a story about a fine Christian doctor. His faith in God was known by all his patients, and when he died, his wife, and she hung a picture of his likeness, and they put a sign next to it, a sign that he had hung in the door every time he would left his office. He was going to be gone for a while. And there next to that picture hung this sign. It said, Gone be back soon. Gone, be back soon. Listen, that was the message that Jesus was leaving his disciples. He was saying, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to go prepare that place for you, but I'm coming again. I'll be back soon. Don't be in despair. You know, that was his personal promise that he made. And as certain as he came the first time, he will come again. That's his promise, and, and we know that he has always kept his word. God cannot lie. God is coming. He is going to send his son, Jesus Christ. He is coming again. We also see the reception of his promise. Not just the receiving of a promise, but the reception of his promise. The disciples were heartbroken because they were going to be separated from Jesus. They, they had been a constant companion with him. Remember, they had traveled with him. They had seen all his miracles. They had been there at night with him in the quiet time, sitting there. Can you imagine being in that room with Christ? Can you imagine hearing him pray? Can you imagine seeing him heal the sick? Can you imagine being so close to him that he, you're such a friend with him? He's like a brother to you. Yet Jesus is telling them these things. comforts them with the promise that he would return and receive them unto himself. They would again be with him, and this time they would never be separated. Never again. I read a story about a little boy. He had a problem with his eyes. He couldn't see. The problem was so bad that they thought there was no hope, but finally there was this doctor that came up with a remedy for the problem that he had with his eyes, and they thought that perhaps they could get him to the doctor, and they finally were able to get this young boy to the doctor that had this the way of treating this, this situation with his eyes. And so he went and under the knife and had the operation and did all the procedure and covered his eyes up. And for weeks he had this gauze on his eyes. For weeks he was in complete blindness as he had been prior to that from the, the condition he had with his eyes. But for weeks he had to leave it on there. The nurse that came in each day would change the gauze out and put some back on, told him not to open his eyes. Time was nearing and the badges, bad, badges were removed. The nurse said to him this. She said, my boy, tomorrow we're going to remove the bandages from your eyes. If the operation is a success, whom do you want to see first? Without a moment's hesitation, the boy said, I want to see the doctor who gave me
time's coming soon that we're going to be able to go to heaven for all eternity. And I can tell you this, that for a child of God, if it's before the rapture and you take your last breath here on earth to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I can tell you what, if I died this day or if I was raptured this day, the very first person I'd want to see is the Lord Jesus Christ. imagine bowing down before him? Can you imagine then and seeing the scars that he holds because of your sin and knowing those scars are there because he loves you? Yes, we ought to thank him every day. And yes, we ought to go to God in prayer and thank him for our salvation. But I'm looking forward to the day when I can be there right before his throne. And just as it says in Revelations chapter 4, throwing the crown there before him and worshiping him and praising him and singing unto him song, a new song that God has put in our hearts. He's worthy. I believe the promise we have that he will return. And he'll receive us unto himself. Do you really want to listen to him? I love the second verse of the song and saying, Worthy of my Savior, first of all, the words of my peace that you will sing. Oh, the dear ones in glory, how they beckon me to come and are parting at the river. I recall to the sweet vales of Eden. They will sing my welcome home, but I long to meet my Savior first of all. I shall know him. I shall know him. And with him by his side, I shall stand. I shall know him. I shall know him. I'm so thankful for that promise to you. I'm thankful for the Christ that you have paid. Which brings me to my last point I want to share with you today is this the salvation. See, heaven is a prepared place, but it's a prepared place for a prepared people. Those that Jesus will receive at his coming are those who have received him as their Savior. Yes, he's coming. There's no doubt about it. He's made a promise. He's going to keep his promise. Yet his coming is going to be selected for those. His coming for those that have, been, have accepted Christ as their Savior. His promise only includes those who have experienced a personal salvation. In verse 5, Thomas, he asks this question. He says, how can we know the way? Here he is, a disciple. He's followed Jesus. He's heard his teaching. And yet he asks the question, you're going. You're going to prepare a place. And, and you want us to follow up. But how do we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the way. In that one profound statement, Jesus declared the simplicity of being ready for his coming. And that's what's so amazing about all of this. It is so simple to be ready for his coming. Anybody can understand it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's only through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. 
one has received Jesus as their Savior, then they will be received at his coming. You see, to know him as Savior is all that is necessary to be ready. And if salvation is the single requirement to be ready when Jesus comes, then it is the most important that a person have Christ as their Savior right now. And know that they're saved right now. Not something they put off till tomorrow. Not something they're hoping for because of some past thing that happened in their life. But something they know with absolute assurity right now. And by the way, salvation is an individual matter. Mom and dad can't save me. Oh, yeah. If I had to try to save my own children, I would. But I know the truth is I can't. I can't. Only because that child comes to a place of understanding that they're a sinner. They come to a place of knowing right from wrong. They realize that they need a Savior, just like I had to come to that place in my life. Individual thing. Something they have to choose. And I made that choice myself. I was five years old when I made that decision. So simple to understand. It's an individual matter. See, Jesus will be coming for a great multitude of both living and dead. There will be a vast throng that will rise to meet him in the air, yet the throng is made up of individuals that have had a personal experience. In other words, they've, they've come to know Christ as their personal Savior. They've been born again. So to put it very simply, each person must ask the question, how can I know? How can I know the way? sang this song earlier today. Have you been to Jesus for the pains and power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hey, when the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you been born again today? Have you been washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That's why Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross. He died for you, He died for me. He shed His precious blood to wash away our sin, to pay our sin debt. And yes, Jesus is coming again. He's coming soon. There's a heavenly home that awaits for those whom He is coming. If you're ready, then cheer up. Christ could come back today. Hey, if you're ready, then realize this. This time is really short compared to eternity. Hey, listen, if you're ready, realize this. All the challenges you're going through is going to make heaven all the sweeter. When you get to heaven, you're going to look back and enjoy all the more knowing how wonderful heaven is.
so thankful that you are a God that cannot lie, and you've made a promise to us that you've gone to prepare a place for us and that you're coming again. Lord, we look forward to coming. Lord, you've told us how we can prepare and how we can know that you're the only way. Lord, I pray that each person here today would look down on their heart. Lord, that you would speak to hearts today, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would reveal the truth in our hearts, Lord, that would convict those that do not know for sure they're on the way to heaven, that today they would trust in you. Lord, that you bring the assurance once again, Lord, as we look in our hearts and remember the time we were born again, that, Lord, we know that we have the peace of knowing 100% sure we're on the way to heaven. I pray that you bring comfort to those that are sin was death, for the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. You believe that Jesus Christ died for you, he paid your sin debt, he rose again the third day, and by faith you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you have absolute peace and assurance in your heart today, knowing you're on your way to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high, say, yes, I know I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven. God bless you, put your hands down. Perhaps you're here this morning, you don't have that peace. God wants you to have that peace today. God's given us his word that you may know. Maybe you're here right now and you say, Preacher, I don't have that peace. I honestly don't know. I have doubt, I have fear. I don't know where I'll spend eternity. With our heads bowed and eyes closed. Listen, could I pray for you today? I don't have that peace. Could I pray for you? I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I promise. Would you lift your hand up right now? Would you acknowledge that? That's where it's got to start. We have to start just realizing where we're at, the condition we're in. If God spoke to your heart today, you say, I don't have that peace. I don't know I'm going to have anybody like that today. Can I pray for you? Christian, you're struggling, you're hurting. Know you're a child of God on your way to heaven. Oh, listen, don't you get your eyes on the Lord? Don't you put your faith in Him? Don't you rejoice in the fact of knowing that heaven is forever? Don't you take that burden that you're bearing right now? Won't you give it to the Lord and ask Him to help you with it? Why don't you take cheer in knowing that the Lord is coming back and it's soon. Heaven is forever. Why don't you thank God for his promise? Would you thank him? Praise him? Would you get your eyes on him? In just a moment, I want to see you turn your eyes upon Jesus. from the difficulties of this life and the hardships of this life, and I want you to turn your eyes to Him. 
heart would not be troubled. Lord, we believe in you. We believe in Jesus. He promised that in his Father's house are many mansions, and he's preparing it for us. And Lord, we look forward to it. We thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you